episode 195 of Fenton Film, where we'll give our takes on the latest movie news like Star Wars 9 questions and how Tom Holland saved Spider-Man. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again, joined by Josh Straley, back after one week absence. From the dead, maybe? I don't know. I thought you were dead. I think you had every right to assume that I was. <laughs> um, off the grid for various reasons, a lot of reasons. Some that are not appropriate for a G show, <laughs> but hey, here I am. I'm ready to talk about the news. I missed so much last week; it hurts. But there's some great news this week. There's some there's some overlapping, so mm-hmm. you know my thoughts are going to get out there, and I am not going to let those go <laughs> at all. Good. But if you are looking for um, the news that was talked about last week when Cooper went solo. You can find that on uh, Twitter. Um, you can find all the news that we're going to talk about on there as well at Friends and Film. But if you're looking for other episodes about reviews, news, um, big questions, you can get those on anywhere pad- podcasts can be found, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That will ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. That is correct. And so we're just going to jump right back in, not going to waste any time going into the world of Star Wars, the galaxy far, far away, um, because there are a lot of quotes going around this week, courtesy of Empire, interviewing Chris Terrio, J.J. Abrams, a bunch of people involved with Star Wars, right, Skywalker. Um, wanted to know more about the movie because, you know, we're gearing up into that final stretch of the marketing push. will probably begin soon, so... Uh, they were asked various questions. The one that I think kind of got a lot of attention was a quote from Chris Terrio when he was asked um, kind of like, what were the two big uh, questions that were kind of driving Star Wars 9? And one of them, he said, is, quote, who is Ray?" And I think that initially incites a lot of, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Because I know for you, for me, we liked the answer given to who is Rey in Star Wars The Last Jedi. She's a nobody. Her parents were drunks, filthy junk traders who sold her off for alcohol. And uh, there's always been this concern that that probably wasn't what J.J. always planned on doing. Or envisioned when he set up this trilogy and now he's coming back. Would he retcon this in any way? Um, And that this question of who is Rey, I think, raises that once again. But Chris Terrell's answer goes a little deeper than just, well, you know, who is she? Who are her parents? It's uh, more of... How can Rey become the spiritual heir to the Jedi, he said. Uh, we kept coming back to who is Rey and how can we give the most satisfying answer to that, not only factually, because obviously people are interested in whether there's more to learn of Rey's story, but more importantly, who is she as a character? How will she find the courage and will and inner strength and power to carry on what she's inherited? So, Josh, what are what are your thoughts on this question? Who is Rey? Yeah, uh, this is... This is this is this is really good like babble from Chris Terrio, mm-hmm. I think, um, in a lot of ways because he's saying nothing. It's <laughs> it's a, like, this is this is this is what you could guess from not only the title of the Rise of Skywalker, uh-huh. but everything from the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, and from the first trailer of the Force Awakens as well. Like, listen, we passed on everything we know. Now it's your turn. Yeah, and that's exactly what Terrio's saying. Um, like courage and inner strength and power. That, that's 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 the hero's journey. That's yeah. that's every story. <laughs> that's the tagline for every movie. But um, I mean, the idea though that he keyed on the spiritual sense pretty quickly uh-huh. um, is either I think it's a good sign that nothing's really going to change about who Ray is. It's really going to be about who Ray will become. Yeah, more so than anything else. Um, because that that, t- that 
title, The Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. still hangs over our heads. What's going to rise? What's not? The parents thing, I really don't care as much anymore. But To the point where, like, if they, like... I don't like you can't retcon and be like, oh, she is Han and Leia's kid. <laughs> like you're like that that does that doesn't work. I think that ship uh, sailed. Yeah, but like if they retconned it to be like she is the great granddaughter of Obi Wan Kenobi or something, mm-hmm. is that something you'd be like, nope, 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 <laughs> never mind. It's just pointless at that I know. when you get to there. It's like it, and that that's the whole. I think that's like the whole hubbub now. Uh-huh. It's just like, what do you like? You you would have to be so far out of left field or so intricately done like, underneath of our eyes mm-hmm. to make any sense, you know? Yeah, I, I think if it's if it's tying her into people we already know, because I th- I mean I'm in agreement with you basically where I don't think it matters who she was. It's more about who she's going to become. And I think that's what Terio's mostly hinting towards. Even though him and JJ and even Daisy really have all been on record saying by the end of nine you will definitively know. Everything you need to know about Ray's backstory, her parents, her upbringing, all that stuff will be very clear. Um, but I also think that that does not mean, oh, she's the love child of Luke and Mara Jadolf. So you're like, what? <laughs> right. When did that happen? Uh, I think instead it's more of just they're figuring out who she's going to, who she is now so they can figure out who she can become and inherit the Skywalker's title as like, you know, the new thing for a Jedi or whatever. Like it's, I think that's been a... Uh, uh, popular theory at this point, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't really, I'm not too concerned with this. I'm, I was, I have been a little about just, you know, there, cause there is a loophole with that whole, you know, her parents were filthy junk traders. Like there's just, right. that's what she, Kylo like kind of pressured her. Like, like, no, say it, say it. And then she says what she believes, Yeah, but we don't know if she actually knows that for sure right it's more of like it's almost it's a, it's like an abusive it's an it's an abusive like ploy it's like yeah. you're nothing you know you're worthless now say it yeah it's it's the same thing he does earlier in the movie when uh he is talking to ray and ray's just like why did you and she starts like tearing up because she doesn't want to say like why did you kill han solo and he's like no say it i want you to say it so it's like so that way it becomes like real in her mind i think yeah. and so i think it's just kind of those mental games that kylo's playing with ray early on and you know i'm, I'm hoping that will continue that was another thing that uh terry also kind of mentioned that the kylo ray uh dynamic will be further explored in this movie i think that's inevitable it's the final movie of this trilogy they are the two main characters one the embodiment mm-hmm. of evil one the embodiment of hope hopefully uh i guess you could still kind of debate which one's which depending on the dark ray yeah, theories and ben demption and everything but uh i am i'm just glad to know that they're not like going away from that they're going further in and that really excites me especially because we don't really know how that's going to play out at this point. It's all just like, okay, they fight at one point. There's Palpatine. Mm-hmm. There's this mission. Right. How does, where does the Kylo Ray, who are they? How are they connected? What do they mean to each other thing come into play here? That's what I want to know. Yeah. And it looks like there's going to be plenty of opportunity for them to explore that. At least two instances. Um, you know, so let me assuming, of course, he's piloting yeah. the, his own ship, which, yeah. which is, Pretty much, I would, I would, I would, I would say so. Unless mm-hmm. it was like, oh, it's actually Knight of Ren. It's like, okay, cool, but why? Yeah, it would, it would just defeat that. Would really let the air out of um, a lot of the movie. That's for sure. But yeah, uh, back to square one though. Who knows? 
That's true. We, we, we do not know. I, I do like having some words on record, I suppose. Yeah. The other thing that uh, Terry also mentioned to Empire uh, is the kind of the second question that him and JJ were kind of floating around was, quote, how strong is the force? It sounds uh, it sounds a little simple, but actually when you get down in when you get down to it, that is sort of a Zen Cohen that uh, Abrams and I would really med- meditate on. Uh, we would discuss what is the force? How strong is the force? Those two things were really important. So I think that's also cool a cool little tidbit to know going in because that's one of my favorite parts of new stars movies is like the new boundary they push the force into like you know we had like the the force freeze and all this stuff in the force awakens and then eight there was the mind melding uh stuff like if they went from that to then you know luke telepathically like projecting himself across the galaxy yeah. and like where if those are not the limits of the force then what is the limit that's what i'm excited to see there's rumors out there of what that could be how that could materialize i'll get into those um but it all seems pretty exciting yeah definitely like i mean you like you said like each force powers are doled out like you know all across here but you really haven't got we really haven't gotten anything beyond just like the little hints like ooh, it can transcend death and life and Mm -hmm. like okay that's about right and there's like wink 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 anakin's the you know immaculate conception Mm -hmm. star wars baby and so we haven't really seen anything like that play out like you know plot wise uh, rather than just uh you know like you said like winks and nods and so whatever they're thinking of here whatever they're alluding to here like that will be great to see if you're really going to wrap all of this up you want something macro you want something that says here's what the force is again Mm -hmm. or here's what the force like you know at its and it's most powerful um, is capable of and can accomplish. And like Palpatine's return from the dead mm-hmm. um, is like a clear signal of like, all right, well, it can transcend death and life. So what's the inverse of that or what's the opposite of that? Yeah. And what's the light side iteration of, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing or, you know, is there not one of those things? You know, it's all those questions you can really dive into in some kind of, you know, random spiritual way and, throw some Yoda lingo in there with his return <laughs> yeah. and we'll be gold. Do you think there's any chances? Cause like if they are expanding on like, what is the force? How strong is the force that we're getting? They could dive back into midichlorians <laughs> nah. or like the wills, which I know is like a thing that George really wanted to play with in his original outline for the star Wars trilogy. So mm-hmm. like JJ met with George before writing his script. Do you think there's any like chance that JJ's like, you know what? Okay. We can work in the, the world of the wills or whatever, like the, the microscopic universe that controls all things. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so either. Cause that just seems like, Whoa, that's a lot to, again, you're bringing Palpatine back then to introduce like the wills or go back into mid chlorines or something. It's like, mm-hmm. that's so much to do on top of <laughs> wrapping up everything else that we're already, we've already been building towards these last two movies. Yeah, exactly. That if it would feel like a bit much, but at the same time, you know, we are talking about the final Skywalker saga movie. We're talking about J.J. Uh, Abrams, who has said that basically like about bringing Palpatine back. Well, you can't wrap up a story without referencing everything else that came before it. And if he is trying to find a way to tie everything up together, I think him trying to figure out a way to make midichlorians less of a, a scientific thing of like, and midichlorians measure how powerful you are in the force or something like and figuring out some other way around this or like introducing mm-hmm. some other element of them. Yeah, that would and like. Pulling that off, that would be a heck of a way to, again, wrap up this nine-film saga. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about referencing them right off the <laughs> bat, but there will I mean, there, I mean, yeah, like you said, like if they're going to make this thing come full circle, there's 
you, you know, pulling that conver- pulling on the threads of that conversation between Palpatine and Anakin are like ripe for it, mm-hmm. or at least basically all of what's seeded in um, that prequel trilogy of just like throwaway nonsense of Star Wars logic mm-hmm. that's ripe for being repurposed, you know, in the future, especially yeah. around Sheev and everything mm-hmm. that he's got going for him. Definitely. Yeah. So let's move on to our second story, which is uh, going back to something I talked about last week, the Spider-Man deal to keep Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh, apparently, according to a report from THR, which I believe has since been confirmed by Bob Iger himself, uh, Tom Holland is the one who basically saved this deal. Uh, because if you've listened to us in the past, you know that... Um, at one point, Spider- uh, Sony and Marvel Studios had this deal to work together to bring Spider-Man into the MCU. That deal ended after Spider-Man Far From Home, and when it came time to renegotiate, Disney and Sony got, were the ones who were really renegotiating because Disney wanted more of a stake for the time that their studio, their studio head, Kevin Feige, was putting into this movie that was not theirs. And it reached an impasse. The deal was basically dead, and all of a sudden, last week, we got the news that it's not dead. Spider-Man is back in the MCU. Holy crap, what does this all mean? And it was came as a pretty big surprise. Um, and it turns out, according to THR, that Tom Holland is the one who actually was instrumental in making this deal happen. Uh, basically, that he was the one who went to Bob Iger, called Bob Iger, called uh, Tom Rothman at Sony, and basically got them to meet again and tell them all, listen, we need to get this deal done. We, it needs to happen. Fran, fans are freaking out. We have to do it for the fans. All this kind of stuff. Hashtag Save Spider Man is trending worldwide. Like we can't let this like not continue on. And maybe he threw his weight around a little bit, according to THR, because he's also attached to Sony's Uncharted franchise, which then just so happened to get a director minutes after this deal was signed. Right. Uh, so it seems like this was a big push by Tom Holland to be the one to save Spider Man, and I think that is an incredible uh, little tidbit here in this ongoing saga of Spider-Man because he's just like in his early twenties and a rising star in Hollywood. And he's already thrown around like RDJ type weight with two different studios to be yeah. like, no, I'm going to get my way. You are going to let me be part of the MCU. And then I will also go do your Sony Spider-Man movies. Okay. But this has to get a deal done first. And I think that's pretty wild. It is. It is kind of nuts. Like I, I um, like would like, I came back to the internet. I was like, oh, wow, I missed a lot of things. And then, like, suddenly Spider-Man was swinging across the theater. And I'm like, I actually kind of stopped believing that this was going to happen um, for a myriad of reasons, especially because Sony looked like they were moving forward mm-hmm. with everything like, like they had. But a long, I long, long maintained it was out in the open negotiating, but it looks like that's not the case at all. And it's so crazy to see Tom Holland, like, like jump it like you jump right into that like it's like you said um uncharted getting a director like right afterwards after losing how many like four or five uh, yeah at least it's so many um like some of the best ones too and i mean i don't have so many questions though about this travis knight danny trachenberg thing like <laughs> do we <laughs> and the creative differences but that's for another day um but yeah, that it is. It is nuts. It is great that it's happening. Like, because they re, you just really can't envision like this deal mm. going any other way now, or like you know, like Spider Man being in his own universe outside of this. And so, like to know that like Tom Holland's is is already just like, well, okay, this is what we're gonna do, and we're really gonna do it, or else you know, you know, it's a really nice Uncharted franchise you right. have here. It'd be a shame <laughs> if it went. Towards. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Like, and, you know, at this point, I'm sure they've got plenty of money into it already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
why would you not want to get that off the ground? Like it's it's almost buy-in from Tom Holland too with Sony. Mm -hmm. Um, as much as it is like Sony being like, okay, well this kid's going to be invested in Uncharted. We can relax on Spider-Man. Right. And that's great. Well, especially when like you look at it from two different franchise perspectives for Sony. Yes. You had to give up 25% of the profits for the Spider-Man movie with Marvel, but they're also covering 25% of the financing and as his, as Tom Holland becomes this bigger and bigger star, I mean, just started in the first billion dollar Spider-Man movie, I would assume as long as everything goes well and the movie's not terrible, that Spider-Man 3 will also hit that billion dollar mark. And even though that will come after Uncharted, the fact that he is now, you can still be like in with the Uncharted movie, you can put the first trailer for Spider-Man 3 on it and you can still have him be coming fresh off of appearances in Infinity War, Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home and be like this guy's been in well if you yeah, three straight billion dollar movies, some of two of them 2 billion dollar movies and you're just like this dude's a huge star and so yes, you're eating a little bit less of the profits on the Spider-Man franchise, but I would anticipate that that box office draw and the fandom around Tom Holland and his Spider-Man will only continue to increase and then translate to uncharted having a pretty good performance i would assume in as well in uh december 2020 yeah and you got to imagine there's a trilogy of uncharted films in the pipeline now right like if there wasn't before there is now and i mean i guess we can't really speculate on that part right of I mean, it, i'm sure their their goal is to have a trilogy but yeah it all depends on the first tom holland's is definitely saying hey sony's my home but like you know, Disney's the cool uncle that I want to still have around. Right. I mean, it, that's kind of how it plays. Like if, you know, if he did, you know, maybe throw his attachment to Uncharted kind of as uh, like this bartering piece of like, listen, Sony, if you don't get this deal done, I'm not going to do Uncharted. I'll do your Spider-Man 3 because that's what I'm contractually obligated to do. But then after that, I'll, I'll be done. Meanwhile, I'm in a Pixar movie at Disney. Who knows what else I could do over there? Uh, you know, there's endless possibilities and if sony wants to hang on to tom holland and i don't know we don't know if this is the case i mean sony's been tom holland's you know big break in a lot of ways but you know if he didn't have full confidence in that studio Mm -hmm. um then maybe that'd be like listen i I won't do all these different franchises for you unless you do something for me and make sure i can still be part of the mcu yeah and that's like exactly right like do you want to like like you said Two two billion dollar movies. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland started in a solo one that struck a billion dollars. You can go ahead and bank on the next Spider Man movie crossing that line too. And you want to sever your relationship with this kid? Yeah. Like, no. I mean, you don't want to lose the kid in the divorce. Like you said, Disney was li- is lining projects up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Russos are lining stuff up with him as well. Yep. Uh, Chaos Walking will eventually appear. Yeah, there but- was. I saw some like tweet this week that it was it got a January twenty twenty release date. I'm like, there's. I don't think that's the case. I hope not because the trailer should be out right now. Then. Right. Because the trailer should be out. And that also means that if it's coming out in January, it probably means that the studio has no faith in it, which I would be really disappointed in oh. because I don't want the Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland, uh, Doug Lyman directed adventure, young adult movie to just be this utter, this complete and utter disaster. But I guess that's a possibility <laughs> that I don't want to happen. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's uh, with Tom Holland that he is already in this position of power that he's, kind of getting what what he wants but also he's there's probably some contingencies in there of like okay maybe he was the one to be like okay there like you nobody can agree on what the current deal is but what if you know marvel you let me appear in their movies as well and then they'll be happy 
and then they'll still then you can be involved in the solo movies and I can still be involved in your movies as well. And maybe I don't know if he was that involved in the negotiations or not, but I just still like the idea that Tom Holland realized listen, this is, this is what I want. This is what the fans want. Uh, it kind of goes back on what he was go- talking about before of like, Oh, I have full confidence in Sony. They've got great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, just call Kevin Feige, but listen, dude, <laughs> you gotta get me back. <laughs> I can't go through with this. Uh, so, but either way, like, it's just, it's just nice to know that he is this invested in this role that he likes with Marvel this much that he wants this co- to continue to the point where he was able to get two major studios, back in the negotiating room together, even after the deal was, according to THR, 100% dead. So this is, yeah, this is just great news. Absolutely, on all fronts. Um, but let's move to our final topic in our main three, which is a report from Forbes, uh, where they outlined that Matt Reeves' upcoming Batman movie, which is reportedly going to start a trilogy, unsurprisingly, um, is going to eventually include and set up future appearances for Robin and Batgirl to expand the Batman family, Again, this is something that I think makes a lot of sense. May have even been rumored before, but it also, if this is Matt Reeves's plan, it makes sense why Chris McKay's Nightwing movie has kind of been like, we haven't heard anything about it for like a year because like, well, I have to wait to figure out what it is with Robin before I can do Nightwing. And then Batgirl, yeah, you know, Joss Whedon's off of that. I believe they have a new writer now. Um, but then if she's going to be introduced in like, batman 2 or something and then get her solo movie after that then it makes sense again why she would not be involved uh she's her solo movie is not as top of a priority as we previously were thought it was going to be so i think all this makes a lot of sense it makes me even more excited for matt reese's batman movie to get these two characters back onto the big screen um and so, yeah, I mean, it just gives me a lot of faith and confidence in Reeves, his overall vision for the franchise at this point. Um, Josh, what do you have to say about Robin Batgirl in the in this franchise before potentially getting their own solo films? But also the casting last week, Jonah Hill, maybe as Riddler or Penguin, and then Jeffrey Wright as yeah, Gordon. I was not going to let I was actually just to leave with Jeffrey okay. Wright. Because, like, Go ahead. listen, like last week were the first seeds of a bigger, wider thing. And mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon is just, a plus on the nose casting for so many reasons, but it's the sad eyes yeah. that are going to just, just play perfectly in whatever Reese is cooking up. But if, I mean, of course there's going to be a trilogy. Of course you're going to want to expand the, you know, open up the back cave, open up like all of these avenues that really haven't been explored on film mm-hmm. in any like real, in like any really good way. Yeah. Like you've you've built out your DC universe with the shows and the streaming and all of that things. Like, but now it's time you gotta introduce new characters to the screen because you can't make money off them if nobody knows a darn thing <laughs> about them. Marvel's proven that like you know the way you present them, these first few people are ways that you can spin off and create um, five hundred million, six hundred mm-hmm. million, eight hundred million dollar properties. Eventually getting up to that you know that billion marker for movies that you're just like well who were these guys yeah you know 10 years ago captain marvel like is like the they're, they're perfect example of somebody who's just like who billion dollars mm-hmm. right off the top and so uh, yeah i mean of course like nightwing's a perfect character batgirl's a perfect character like uh, christina hodson's still writing or yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah and so you have all of this talent just you know circling and like you know, and now it's time to just you know like make your temple make one more and then spin out to 50,000 other things and Batman's the 
biggest property they have for that. Because um, it could be Robin Solo, Nightwing Solo, Batgirl Solo. You can spin off with the anti-heroes and the anti-villains yeah. and all sorts of things like that. Uh, I mean, what else? Batman Beyond somehow eventually down the line. I feel I like that'd be based on the success of Joker, which we'll review on Tuesday. Uh, I feel like that would be like a like Michael Keaton back or something for like a one-off movie. That would be excellent. Like, like oh come my on. Gosh. That's got to be in the cards. But, but like, you know, Jonah Hill jumping in there, like that's the talent you want to bring to mm-hmm. this. And then you can just keep going from there. And eventually you're going to, I mean, you're going to have an entire universe like Marvel's got going. And that'll be the way through. Yeah. Now the, I think the question that this has raised, the casting last week has raised um, is with the universe building that Matt Reeves is doing. Is this all part of just a Batman universe or is this all part of the DC EU? If that is even still a thing. Good question. I, I think it's a Batman universe. First and foremost, mm-hmm. I think it's Gotham only. And I, because they went too big, they went wide really fast and mm-hmm. it was panned. Yeah. And a good way to make people forget about those movies is to let everybody hang out in their own little pocket universes for just a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Especially, too, because Batman lends itself to being uh, an interconnected movie series a lot easier than everybody else does. Yeah. Tying in Wonder Woman, um, Superman, Shazam, mm-hmm. um, and The Flash, and The Green Lantern, into all those other ones. Things get pretty wonky, but Batman in and of itself can stay low to the ground, and it's a logic that people can follow um, from film to film mm-hmm. and universe to universe, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why Matt Reeves is setting this in the 90s, supposedly, uh, is to take it 20 years in the past. You, that way you could, if you really wanted to, you could be like, oh, he is a younger version of Batfleck, whatever. I don't think that's really that important because, you know, there's also the whole side of, well, Jeffrey Wright is Gordon now. Jeffrey Wright is no J.K. Simmons. Clearly, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, oh, he that Gordon becomes this Gordon. Um, so I don't – but even if that – like, so in that case, the DCEU uh, possibilities are like, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But that's also just a quick retcon that to a Justice League movie that I don't think Warner Brothers and DC films are like, oh – Whatever we do, we have to make sure <laughs> right. the Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder, Frankenstein, Justice League movie is like our official canon. Yeah, this is this is this is the temple. This is what every this is the central spoke. Right, everything all... must connect because it's already like they've already gone against this. And I talked about this a little bit last week. Is like I don't think um, yeah, this is a great point. Warner Brothers is really that interested in be like making sure the Snyder movies are canon. They've already decanonized aspects of that. So I think for now what you kind of said before the goal I think for them is to get each of these franchises off the ground by themselves and have Aquaman be its own thing, have Wonder Woman be its own thing, have um, this Harley Quinn suicide squad, birds of prey, Gotham city sirens, like own little pocket universe, and then have Batman do his thing. Then you can have flash Zam, all these other characters. If you want to have their own solo movies, you can have quick mentions um, to each other that, Oh, Wonder Woman's out there somewhere, but you don't have to actually have them cross over in any way until the point becomes where the DCU is this big, you know, uh, profitable franchise. You can be like, okay, now is the time we've done the bat. We've done two Batman movies. He's now in, you know, the mid, you know, two thousands, I guess you could say. And now we're just gonna be like, Nope. And here's the, here's the real first justice league movie. And yes, we're retconning BVS man of steel, uh, the end yeah, justice league basically like those are not totally canon anymore because at this point at that point how many of those characters will even still be involved in the dcu and i just think it doesn't make any sense for everybody to 
right now for Jeffrey Wright or for the prequel version or for the prequel setting to automatically write this off as, oh, it's not DCU canon because if this movie is another billion dollar hit as the last two Batman movies were under yes. Nolan, mm-hmm. uh, if this one is as well, and then Wonder Woman 1984 is a billion dollar hit, Aquaman 2 is another billion dollar hit, you're not, you can't tell me that Warner Brothers and DC and Walter Hart are not going to be like, you know what? Let's not cross these people over. They're going to do it. It's going to be big. And at that point, you then you can figure out when things take place, the what's canon, what's not canon. But I think for now, all this stuff is just so wide open with possibilities that it doesn't really matter um, unless like some like I, unless something like major happens for some reason yeah absolutely and it's, there's so many there's so many there's there's a good big question in there laying out like a potential dceu timeline um and especially with regards to like joker and right like, you, or, you, or even it, like what is the dceu like, yeah and we, the, we don't really know and then just think about reeves setting his films in the 90s mm-hmm. and thinking about where joker took place and it's just like it, there's so many alarm bells go off yeah. and like okay interesting mm-hmm. and i know that wasn't the concept of joker at the beginning but but now that you have a good hit on your hands what do you do yeah i mean if you could be like oh this is uh you know joker takes place in early 80s and the batman takes place in the late 90s and it's like boom that's almost a 20 year gap oh what do you know <laughs> that little bruce wayne and joker become robert pattinson huh shocker oh my gosh can you i don't imagine? i don't think that'll happen uh we can talk about that a little bit more in the review section of what could be next for joker um on tuesday but yeah i mean i think this is all just again makes sense for dc to find their own way to build their cinematic universe not rushing it which i think was their problem initially and if this all goes uh if this all you know works out as planned then we can have batgirl robin uh be introduced, get their own movies, and then again we have this big growing universe that you can do a whole bunch of different things with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, stay stay within their own realms. Like mm-hmm. Shazam's gonna spin off Black Adam, if you will. Right. If you make the that, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yep. Flash can do the same. Um, Cyborg can do the same. Like pairing up weaker properties no, with Cyborg's each other. Happening. No, I don't think so either. Um, but yeah, but then Batman just spins off everything it possibly mm-hmm. can until eventually Flash, you know. Um, intersects, still cyborg yeah. intersects, and then you just you go from there. Right. I mean, I think that that's my only semi worry with bat with the, this Batman plan is that it just feels to me that when this movie is big and it hits, then that's going to be the number one priority for Warner Brothers in DC is just to make the Batman universe. Like, mm-hmm. oh, and now here's Harley Quinn, and it's like like that's obviously going to happen if both those movies are uh, successes and. I, I would just I would still I still want to see like a Green Lantern movie, a Cyborg movie, a Flash movie, um, a, another Just League movie eventually. Like I want to see all these other things, not just Batman characters, because we already have seen so many of them before. Right. But uh, that's a topic for another time, I guess. Let's move on to Ticker Skip It, which does have a quote unquote DCEU uh, trailer involved in it. Uh, as we got the second trailer for The Kingsman, uh, the first trailer for Six Underground, the first trailer, official trailer for Birds of Prey, the first trailer for The Gentleman, and the first trailer for Richard Jewell, and the second trailer for 1917. Josh, which one of these trailers gets your ticket this week? Yeah, weirdly enough, I'm going to go with Birds of Prey. Yeah. I, I, the trailer does not excite me. Okay. Like, it's not an exciting trailer. How about that? I think that makes sense. But the mood, the presentation. It's intriguing. Everything going on in this looks phenomenal. And I really want to see it play out. Like, I'm going to hold my trailer theory of how (laughs) if if the trailer just doesn't feel like it's something great, that the movie is 
really hard to sell and the marketing team just doesn't know what to do with it because it just it's going to be something different for us to see mm-hmm. but I, i'm loving everything that's going on margaret robbie is like just acting as harley quinn mm-hmm. for the first time rather than just laughing maniacally and dropping one-liners perfect excellent uh of course you know um Ian mcgregor is doing a thing uh, yes. which is which is great and then um the birds of prey are don't really have too much of a spotlight no in this thing but i think they'll end up being like one of the best parts of the movie when they come back around but uh um score track perfect love the mood and cannot wait to see where it becomes but offbeat humor i'm there for it yeah i mean i think it makes it like your your birds of prey comment is i think one of like the one you could kind of question like well you know this is this is birds of prey and the emancipation of one harley quinn Mm -hmm. or the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn and this is really the harley quinn trailer with the tagline of birds of prey. Um, but I think that just makes sense from a business perspective of if you throw and do a two and a half minute trailer focused mainly on journey, Smollett bells, black canary and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's huntress, people will be like, who, what What? is this? Yeah. Okay. But if you're like, Oh, suicide squad made like $800 million or or $750 million worldwide. Let's focus on the easy breakout of that movie. Margot Robbie, who is, become a much bigger an even bigger name since then uh with the movies like i Tanya and everything you would have you have to sell it on her and then sprinkle in birds of prey for the just to get people enticed and involved and be like oh birds of prey that way when they see the second trailer and it's more focused on the rest of the ensemble yeah. like, oh okay I'd, i'm not i don't need to be sold on this movie because already was on the first trailer which was so predominantly harley quinn focused mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i think it looks it looks slick directing um i just i like the color palette i'm in i'm interested if the lack of action is because chad stahelski has just so recently helped reshoot and revamp a lot of that i mean if you when you look at it you can definitely tell that that's it looks pretty pretty simple yeah and so you can only wonder if like they tossed in clips of just like because there's a, there's there's a section of the trailer that just feels like it's uh, action beats. Uh, there's like yeah, uh, there's like put it in there. It yeah. just does not line with the music. It's just uh-huh. not cut around right. And so you got to wonder like what Stilhetsky's in there. But if but if he's coming in to redo those scenes, to touch up those scenes, to make those better, yeah, we're in for something because there's some great sequences. Yeah, and that's, that's moments. I'm actually kind of curious if the because there's the it's a little it's like a, it's a quick one obviously but there's like this pan around a car as harley uses her skates to jump into it and kind of hit some guys yeah um and it, there's just the stylistic approach to that which i was like that's stahelski i feel like and so i don't know if that is him or not um well i don't know if we'll even, even find that information out but i am if kathy yan and christine hodson have the handle on the characters and the look and feel this movie and then chas stahelski comes in and just punches up the action even more to give us like more of those like brutal leg breaks and stuff. <laughs> right. uh, like that's going to like, that's going to be great. Um, and I really want to give, my, uh, I don't know. I feel like I should get my ticket to birds of prey. Cause I think it was the one that grabbed me the most, but I also want to kind of maybe shine a spotlight on another movie. Sure. But I'm not sure which one I'm debating between two of them. There's a lot of good trailers this week. And um, I think I'm going to go with six underground. There you go. Because it just looks exactly like what i thought this movie was going to for better and for worse i guess right but like this is there was a part of me watching this and the big spectacle and the michael bay action which i was like oh man it'd be kind of cool to see this big water tower sequence play out on the big screen or when that person's like running down the side of this rooftop uh, and i'm like how are they how are they doing that because uh, at least in the movie it looks like they're not 
they don't have any like ropes or anything holding onto them. Right. Uh, it looks like they're free running, which they're clearly not in real life for safety reasons. But uh, <laughs> good call. Uh, it's just like I was like, man, like some of these sequences I know would be great to see in IMAX or something, and it sucks that I won't be able to do that. But also. When this movie drops in December on December thirteenth, if that was in theaters, I'd be like, "Well, I may go see it. Yeah, <laughs> I may not. Exactly. Now that it's just like, oh, boom, Netflix, December thirteenth. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'll watch it for two hours. Hopefully, hopefully it's not like two and a half hours. Um, but otherwise, I think it just looks like good action. Ryan Reynolds is playing Ryan Reynolds again. I'm a big fan of, of uh, Corey Hawkins is in there. Adriana um, uh, Arjona uh, is in there as well. So it's got a good cast, a good ensemble, and. Uh, the, the one guy from, he was in Bohemian Rhapsody, right? The, the Hardy, Ben Hardy, maybe? That sounds right. Um, he's in there as well. He looks he looks like he's having a, a good time. So I'm just excited to see the action of Michael Bay once again on the big screen. Or I guess not the big screen, the small screen. <laughs> right, so yeah. it gets my streaming ticket, but not my actual ticket. Yes, uh, that is Ben Hardy, by the way. Yep. Great. So uh, let's move on to the news of the week, the co-host corner, as some may call it, as I've called it in the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the official name now. I guess so, because uh, I don't, I can't think of anything better. It has a, it has a decent ring to it. And uh, Josh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, I, I, I am itching to talk about something Okay. Here. And it, it is really going to be extraordinarily generic of me but we have a full death of the nile cast yeah um and some names in there i didn't see coming some names of course we saw coming mm-hmm. but rose leslie getting the nod i don't mm-hmm. think she was covered i don't think I don't we think talked so. about her at the very least i think the only ones we knew about before were Letitia wright gal army hammer and um uh who's the other one kenneth bronner well, well of there, there, was, there was somebody else. Annette Benning. Annette Benning, yeah. yeah. Um, but Rose Leslie getting taught us another. Jennifer Saunders, Tom Bateman, um, Sophia Okanado, um, as well as, you know, um, Ali Fazal, and then Emily, Emma Mackey, and then Don French, and of course, did I say Russell Brand already? You're not. Russell Brand. So That's a fun he addition. Is, yeah, he's back, I guess. This mm-hmm. is his return. This is his, first, this is his first film in a while. It seems like it. Yeah. So At I least big, his first, like, kind of big one right it's perfect for him too i mean just like to be a character be weird be loony be whatever you want to bring to it mm-hmm. and it's going to work but i'm just excited to see Letitia wright you know get some kind of fun acting to mm-hmm. do here so are you aware of these are familiar with the source material yes of you are so you know who or do you have an idea of who the killer is i already know who the killer you do is. okay yeah. and so i think i know as well but it, I am I'm excited for you I, to find out. Yeah, I did. I remember doing research on the movie a while ago when one of the castings dropped, and I'm pretty sure I read it then. But now I'm like, I, I think that was them, but I'm also not totally sure. And at this point, I don't really care. I'll just wait to find out next October? Next November. November? Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that it's gearing up. It's now shooting. So, uh, yeah, it won't be long before we see more of uh, Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> Or not Jacques Cousteau. Hercule Perot. Yeah. Jacques Cousteau's uh, Pink Panther, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wrong wrong detective. <laughs> it's still good. I mean, the, I mean, accent, it, the accent was right there. Thank you. If Steve Martin popped up in this, that'd be great. He would be a great get I for used, one of these films. I used to watch those Pink Panther movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Where, have you seen the first one? No. I've seen neither. Oh, really? I mean, they're, pro- they're probably not great, but I have fond memories of them where there's this point where he is going to America to be with 
Beyonce, even though she's not Beyonce. Beyonce's playing like just another singer, I believe. And he's trying to nail his uh, American accent and he cannot. And they're trying to get him to say cheeseburger. And I thought it was the funniest thing because he was just like, da bugger. And it, it's so dumb. But when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11, it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Bring it on. How about you, man? Uh, what is what caught your eye? The, the one thing that kind of caught my eye, which I mentioned to you a little before we started uh, recording, um, is this idea that there's this copyright law that is potentially going to take away some big franchises from um, current studios like Terminator, Beetlejuice, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Die Hard, Predator, Nightmare on Elm Street could all in the next year or two uh, be taken away from their current um, studio homes, which would then even either lead to the current studios having to renegotiate with the original author of those properties to keep those rights or those properties finding new homes. And just looking at this list, I think it's a little interesting that three of them are currently owned by Disney. Yeah. Like I think who Framed Roger Rabbit makes sense to probably stay with Disney. I think Disney would, if there's any interest in making that again for Disney plus or something that they would keep that they'd hang on to this, but like Die Hard and predator, I don't know. I feel like if I was the author of those books, I would be like Warner Brothers, Paramount, Universal, Lionsgate, Sony, uh, Netflix. Like, do you guys have any interest in these? Because I feel like I feel like a new take on Die Hard, which probably wouldn't happen with, I think Bruce Willis at this point, mm-hmm. but just a new take on that novel and yeah. that and that uh, idea is ripe for the taking and. I think that would be a pretty big bidding war if they were like, you know, we're not going to go back to Disney. Because I don't think Disney slash Fox has any interest in remaking that, especially with the current idea of like, oh, it's the McLean origin movie. Like, no, please no. <laughs> yeah. That and is- at, that, at that point, if you're not going to do an origin movie for the Bruce Willis version and you're not going to do a Die Hard 6 <laughs> with old Bruce Willis, the only way to go is a complete reboot. And at that point, if you're Fox and Disney, do you really want to be the ones to do that? Or... Would you rather take the risk and be like, sure, Paramount, Universal, whoever, you can reboot Die Hard, mm-hmm. see if it works. Yeah. If it does, great. But on the more likely than not chance that it's not as good as the original, then you're just like, well, that was their fault, not ours. Yeah, it's a wash. It, you know, it's, it's really interesting to like to um look at the copyright laws like here too because um Victor Miller who wrote Nightmare on Elm Street like mm-hmm. he's he sued to get you know his rights back yeah. domestically for the for his the entire franchise mm-hmm. which is kind of cool in general that studios won't have access to like long-running ip yeah like that's the even more fun part for me. i think it's it's a i believe a 35 year cycle yeah so this will happen basically every year where i believe now it's the 88 movie eight year the movies that came out in 1988 are the ones that are like on the brink of being taken away and getting like either like um, these notices where like basically have a two year um, window to either make something or lose it, and then it goes back to the property, uh, it goes back to the owner, and so for the next several years we'll keep getting these. Um, so who knows what else will happen? <laughs> right, exactly. And like getting a movie made in within two years, it's nearly impossible if well, you hadn't like you know had it ready or you don't have pre production or whatever. So unless you're ready to be like. $30 million at the wall right now, then you're going to start seeing a lot of properties just kind of turn back up. Mm-hmm. And 
at that point, then it's going to be like, all right, new ideas. Yeah. Or old takes or new takes on old ideas. Well, that was one of the the reasons in in the THRPs. They mentioned that the reason why the new Pet Cemetery movie happened was because that was one of the properties that was targeted by King to get ownership back of. Yeah. And so they were given two years to make a new movie. And as a result, we got the Pet Cemetery movie that came out earlier this year. That, that was done in that two-year window. So that way they could still make it. And I, I don't know if that then resets the rights for them to have another two years to make another movie or lose it or how that works. Or if they're just, okay, you had two years to make a movie. And then after that, it's ours anyways. Um, but that is one of those cases where we could see more films like that, where it's like, listen, if you're Fox, you're like, oh, we're going to lose Predator in two years. Screw it. Let's make another movie. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> it looks like It looks like they still lose rights after that. So yeah, you're just like... But at that point, you either lose it. It's like a, a free agent in like sports. You're like, okay, do we do a sign in trade with the Nets to you know so they can keep Kevin Durant and we can get D'Angelo Russell, or do we just let him go there for free? It's like, yeah. oh, I guess we'll take D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Man, which could lead to which is going to lead to with so many things. Um, I did not realize Pet Cemetery came together that quickly. Yeah. I didn't either. That's that's a quality film for mm-hmm. a. Just throw it at the wall, you know, Hail Mary, hope something good turns up. Right. Yeah, one of your top 15? Yes. Top 10? Absolutely. I don't remember where it placed. Top 15. Oh. Can't imagine putting them in the top 10. <laughs> it's still, I mean, it's good. Yeah, it's still really good. It may still be there. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Exactly. Um, but that's all I have uh, for my ad- part of the co-host corner, which means we're at the end of this episode. We'll be back, of course, on Tuesday with a review of Joker. Um, in the meantime, though, um, you can tell us your thoughts on anything covered here, everything you thought about the news. Let us know what you guys thought on Twitter at Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh. It's just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, over to iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments. Thanks, and for tuning into the Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.